really feel the Holy Spirit this morning, and and when I say that, you know, there's there's a, there's a touch that uh, uh, that seems to be with Him today, and in something that He's communicating to us pretty strongly, and uh, uh, the the broad spectrum of of sometimes why He shows up and and has specific uh, target. Uh, word for for our lives, and uh, and I trust that the message I have will, will will be part of that. That that it it too will be on on target. But number one, I think that, that God's trying to encourage us uh, in in uh, to have confidence, to have confidence, and, and not that you don't have confidence, but that you keep it. It's, it's important to keep your confidence. Bible says that that don't cast away your confidence which has great reward. Imagine that if you remain confident in God and the promises of God and what God has spoken to you that you know uh, eventually the prize that you're having confidence toward is going to going to show up. It's going to be there. Confidence being courageous and, and strong. I think we got good reason to have confidence this morning. You see, we all need it, but I think specifically there, there are those that, that need the word manifested in their life. See, so the Bible says that uh, God was manifested, you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was manifested. We know that Jesus is the full embodiment of God, the full embodiment of the Word. But it, it really, it, it, when it's manifested, it comes into your world. It's just not prophesying to your world. It's just not speaking to your world. All of a sudden, you know, it arrives in your world. That's what happened with Jesus. All those words... You know, uh, from the Old Testament that were recorded, all of a sudden, you know, here they become, they get into our world. And so you got words, God's word for your life. You've received, you know, that word in the person of Jesus Christ, but you need those words that he represents to now become manifested in your life. To take where it becomes a tangible, visible, handleable, you know, a, a, a partaking part of your life. And uh, so I'm praying today that that'll happen. It'll take place. That the word that you've gotten, whether you got it in your private time, whether you got it from as you were reading your Bible and it just, you know, come alive to you, whether you've had a word that God has used other people to, you know, impart in, into you, but just that sense that you know that God will just, you know, speed things up for you. That's what Haggai asked. He says, Lord, he said, would you just speed things up? 
And that's my heart this morning is I just want God to speed things up for you. Is that all right? I want God to speed things up for you. Amen. You've been waiting. You've been waiting. And now's the time for the manifestation of that word, you know, that's regarding your life. So, Father, this morning, we're asking you like the prophet asks, would you speed things up on behalf of these, your children? Would you move up the date, Father, and bring the manifested word into the arena, the life of your people. These people, Lord, this morning, who have been holding confidence, God, have been standing in assurance. God, let let there be that acceleration. Father, this morning, this week, Oh, Father, we ask it in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you to reward the confidence, yes. and the assurance that they have held and clung to. God, this day, for the courage that they've shown, I thank you for the reward arriving even soon in Jesus' name. Amen? Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise and thank you this morning for backing us up. Glory to God. I'll tell you, you know, uh, I I don't know. I I just, so many things that, God is so good and, and, you know, I just want to see such good things happen to you. And, and I know they have. I know they have. But I still know that there's more. There's more. And, you know, we got Jesus. Our life is, you know, we know that, hey, we're going to make it. It's going to go. We've got, got a home waiting for us in heaven. And Jesus, or rather the Holy Spirit, is going to walk with us every day of our lives. And we got the family of God. And we've got, I mean, we're just surrounded with, with absolutely everything. But Jesus said that, you know, sometimes there's things that he wants to bring into your life that's going to take your joy over the top. That's what he said. Ask that you can receive that your joy might be full. You know, we can get so technical that we try to separate joy and happiness, but I'll tell you what, you know, if I'm happy, I'm joyful. If I'm joyful, I'm happy. I I mean, there may be, you know, uh, some differences, but, you know, God's not against things and I'm not against things, so at least we're in harmony, so... If two shall agree, is any one thing. But you understand, God is not all about things, you know. But he did say, he said, I want you to take a look at Solomon. I want you to take, at the, take a look at the flowers. 
You know, the majesty and the way I watched over it, the way I arranged it and how beautiful they were, you know, and their purposes in life and the fragrance that came from it. He says, it's nothing compared to what I want to do for you. Well, glory to God. There it is. So, so God is really interested in, in, you know, your daily life. He's just not trying to get you through to heaven. Oh, you know, when you got, when you got saved, praise God, it's been sealed. Since the Holy Spirit went ahead and sealed it, he said it's a, it's a done deal. But now he says, you got a few days and a few years that you got to walk it out here, and that's what I want to concentrate on. That's what I'm going to send the Holy Spirit for, because he's going to help you every day of, of your life. He's going to be, you know, there when you're on the mountaintop, and, you know, he's really going to be there when you get down in the valley. The more you need him, the more he's going to go ahead and show himself and manifest himself. So thank you for that this morning. Jenna, Derek, hi. I was waiting for you to come back in. She's got a baby. She's got to take care of that. The Lord just spoke to my heart this morning. He said that God's going to open a door of opportunity. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that has in store. You know, I don't even know if you're looking for a door. Okay? And, uh, 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 you know, you'll be able to discern it, but, but a door is going to open. A door is going to open. So, uh, anyway, uh, and it's a door of opportunity. And so... Sometimes, you know, opportunities are not necessarily convenient, but they turn for, for good things. So, door of opportunity. Father, I thank you today for the wonderful love and care and the love of your people. And, uh, you know, I thank you uh, for your love and for each one that's here this, this morning. I just bless, God, those that are regulars and the, those that are visiting, you know what I mean, and... Uh, Pray the riches of your grace upon each and every one. Amen. Well, we've been talking about, I think, in a, you know, building our faith. And I felt the Lord say that, you know, we need to build our faith and, uh, you know, improve in our faith realm. And, uh, faith is a, you know, is a necessary thing. And it really has great rewards. And faith is just one thing that just pleases God. It really is. Pleases God. I mean, that, that word please is a neat, neat thing. I like that. You know, that's just, you know, and if, if you have pleased somebody, you just take a look at their face. You take a look at their posture. You take a look at, 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 you know, their body language and all of that. And I know that we see Jesus, you know, after the spirit and not after the flesh. But, you know, to give you an idea, you know, when something pleases somebody, I mean, they're vulnerable. Kids, your kids please you. 
We don't dare tell them the secret, but about that time, they could ask for anything, and <laughs> we'd give it to them. Huh? Sure. He says, it pleases God. Really trusting in him, and, and you've been there before. You, you've heard all the stories, et cetera, but, but uh, uh, this morning, you know, we want to talk about building faith. And building faith is really living in expectancy. Faith is something hoped for, the, you know, the confidence of things not seen. It's got some expectancy to it. You know, it's not disconnected from yesterday, but, you know, nor is it anchored to yesterday in the sense of the good old days. <laughs> it is a hope in the future, and, and we want to build faith. We want to live in expectancy. We want to have a life that's governed by faith. You know, faith is more than being a tough guy. It really is. Faith is, is a guy being tough. Why is it so important? Because not just for ourselves, but for the world that we're sent into. Jesus said that, you know, there were lights in the world. And so he wants our lights to be turned on. When you are in the midst of more darkness, you know, you know those, lamp, those lights that got three stages to them? You know, low and medium and high. Get it on high. Get it on high because you're a light. You want to turn it up, turn it up. And so I want to talk about capturing joy in tough times. I don't know if you think this is a tough time. I mean, to me, I think life is really good, but when I look at it, it's tough, you know, out there. And as the people of God, to capture joy in tough times, there's some elements that, that go with it and when the unexpected happens in your life. Unexpected things and those challenges that you didn't anticipate that show up. And so James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Andy, if you have them there. My brethren... James writes, who's the half-brother of Jesus, okay. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. The message renders it this way. Consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Let patience have its perfect work. That you'll be entire, complete, lacking nothing. So he's, you know, he's saying that there's an engagement of patience here because the patient person gets the prize. The patient person gets the prize. Faith is so important because God goes where faith is at. Faith will take our impotence and link it to his omnipotence. 
Faith does. So this morning we want to try and learn how to be joyful in the midst of those, those challenges. Because joy is, is just not a, a smile on your face. You know, it's just not a twinkle in your eye. It's a major force. The joy of the Lord is your, your strength. It's the power to change. Joy is because you comprehend that God has already a solution to your situation and your problem. He's already got the solution for it. I think if you will analyze it in your life, that you will find that, you know, joy just gets you through. It lightens the load. It clears your perspective. It strengthens your resolve. It brightens your day, and it helps you see the future. Helps you see the future. So, when tests and challenges come into your life, they have some dynamic purposes. They're not designed to destroy you. They're designed to improve you. According to the parable of the sower, that a test will test your identity. Your identity. The Bible says that a sower went forth to sow, and he sowed in various kinds of soil. Some was sandy. Some was rocky. You know, some got a good start, but got choked out. So, drawing from that, he shows the identity of the word in your life. Your test of identity. You the word that, are you the good ground? That stuck it out? That endured the same environment as the rest of them? And yet it produced much fruit. And fruit is, really is the, the, the culmination or the climax of why the seed was planted in the first place. You don't plant an apple tree just for its flowers. Beautiful. But you plant it to get apples. Now, there are flowers that you plant, you know, just because of the perfume that they produce. And so 30, 40, 30, 60, and 100 fold, you know, the dynamics of that is that, you know, your life's purpose is producing. So when he says that my brethren counted all joy, he's, he's telling us how to think. Not how to feel. I want you to think this way. Because you and I both know feelings are not going to necessarily respond with joy. But we can because we begin to think right. 
you know, it will go ahead and encourage joy in our lives. You've heard about discouragement and how discouragement is a thief. And in our supper this morning, you know, we talked about how their purposes. The thief comes to steal. So that's what happens. This thief, one of his tools is try to bring discouragement rather than joy. And competing for your life. And when discouragement sets in, vitality seems to wane quite considerably. I mean, sometimes we, we go through the motions, but, you know, you've heard the phrase, get your head in the game. Your head's not in the game, man. Zeal seems to be depleted and peace, you know, all of a sudden seems to be so evasive. And, and then contentment. I mean, you are going to murmur and complain. Everything that used to be you could look at right, now you're looking at wrong. Because discouragement sets in and it diminishes your hope and it causes you to question God. Not only will you question God, but you'll go ahead and start to question people. And then if you stay with his discouragement long enough, his friends will join. Fatigue will begin to set in. Hopelessness, despair, self-pity, depression, doubt, and bitterness. And of course, the book of Hebrews says that, you know, you really want to stay away from bitterness. Because it's going to poison you and everybody around you. Or at least those that don't have a guard against it. And bitterness has a way of, you know, kind of spreading like a disease. It says that many become defiled by it. Yeah. It just begins to destroy. It, it, it doesn't just destroy your spiritual life, emotional life. It destroys your physical life. Joy is probably the greatest insulin there is against that. You say, Pastor, what is discouragement? Well, it kind of falls into this. It's dissatisfaction with the past. When discouragement sets in, all of a sudden, you look at yesterday different. And it gives you a distaste for the present. And a distrust for the future. Anybody ever experienced any of those? I mean, I have. It's, it can be an ingratitude for the blessings of yesterday, an indifference to the opportunities of today, and insecurity regarding strength for tomorrow. We see that in the report of the spies. 
the ten spies. You know how they, 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 I mean, they just come, you know, and through 40 years of, you know, the environment wasn't so great, but provision was phenomenal. <laughs> it really was. They had won, they'd won victory after victory. And yet, when at this moment and this time, it changed their whole perspective of all that God had done yesterday. It stymied them for the present, you know, and it caused them to refuse to go to the future. I think that children teach us how to find joy under the most challenging circumstances. See, they haven't learned to become depressed by concentrating on the things that they don't have. Woo! Come on. Good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> Listen. They haven't learned. This is what happens. You know? becomes a habit in our life. We, we get depressed by concentrating on the things that we don't have. Surrounded with, with blessing. It's okay to want more. But it, when it begins to reduce your appreciation for what you do have... You know, the, the scripture's not really easy on us. It says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And the children of Israel in, uh, uh, is it uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 or 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10? Uh, you know, they did just the opposite. They didn't give thanks. I will say they just murmured and complained. And it says that God wasn't well pleased with that. So when we have faith which pleases God, then it would seem that less murmuring and less complaining, you know, would enhance it considerably. Amen? Hallelujah. Because God gives us powerful life. Let's say, for instance, things are not just going the way they should and you're beginning to lose hope. Be reminded this morning that God's plans for you are even better than your dreams. Think about it. His plans are better than, the, than your dreams. We kind of get despondent over our plans, you know, which we would refer to as dreams, but... God says, the plans I have for you are good and not of evil. We, we, we know that scripture, Jeremiah 29 and 11. But God gives us, gives us power for life. So I want to give us five insights this morning uh, for joy in tough times. Five insights for joy in tough times. I think they're biblical. Number one is you got to remember that you're only passing through. 
You got to take into account the future. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, he said, The sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. My. Take into account the future. You know, when the heat is on, you need a long view of life. When the promises don't arrive, even during your lifetime, you need a perspective. Like the saints recorded in Hebrews chapter 11. It says that Verse 13, that these all died in faith. <laughs> See, everything doesn't have to go right for faith to be present. Some, this almost can be, that's a misnomer. That it didn't work and so you didn't have faith. No. These all died in faith not having received the promise. Faith is not quit, is, you know, is, is not neutralized. Faith captures it whether or not it has materialized. Having seen it afar off. A long view of life when the heat is on. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16, now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly country, one, a city that God has prepared for them. Now, maybe you'll never reach that point. But it's there for a reason, it's there for a purpose. And I know many of the saints that I grew up with, this was a, you know, uh, this was a tremendous uh, anchor for their souls and anticipation for their lives. Can you imagine you're going to a place where there's no pain, there's no sorrow, there's no death and there's no crying? There's no tears because you feel bad. There's no, you know, there's no tears because something didn't happen. Paul is saying that the final homecoming outweighs all of the earthly accomplishments, all the allurements, and all the setbacks. There is a time when you need to shift your focus. I don't know when that is and what that is in relationship to each individual's events. But I kind of think that the Hebrew children, when they, you know, were facing the fiery furnace, I think they was kind of getting a focus. If I perish or perish, no, that's uh, Esther, excuse me. <laughs> I probably said that too. <laughs> King, we're just not going to bow. Because no matter what happens here, God's going to deliver us. Now, seriously, we may be delivered by our own personal death, 
but we're still delivered. Or, if he wants to, you know, he can make it according to the prophet Isaiah. You know what I mean? That the fire just doesn't have any power on us whatsoever. They begin to have a focus. Focus. Now, I know that years ago, as I was growing up, people would say, you know, ah, you're so heavenly minded, you're so earthly good. I'm not really sure that's possible. You, heavenly mind, you'd be the most exciting person on earth that there is. Hello? Oh, hallelujah. Number one, we want to know that we've got hope in this life, but not only hope in this life. See, when Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, how many know that it is saying that you have hope in this life? It's covering two spectrums. But he said if that was the, the limit of your hope, then you'd be miserable because you need things that reaches beyond sometimes the temporal. Hallelujah. That's, that's what a heaven's view does. It reaches beyond the temporal. Jesus in the disciples' most difficult moment, what did he do? He gave them a long-range view. He said, tell them I'm leaving. Well, that's all these guys know is Jesus. Totally dependent. You know, everywhere he went, they went. And so now he says, I'm going to go. And he notices that they're beginning to sink in their countenance. He's seeing what's starting to, you know, overwhelm them. And he goes, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me for, and what does he do? <laughs> he points them ahead. In my father's house are many mansions. He, he shows them, so to speak, <clears throat> the championship ring that's going to be theirs. They weren't enjoying the game. But when he showed them that the end results, that all of a sudden it revolutionized them. You see what I'm saying? You, get, you know, you got to remember that you're, you're just passing through. With this confidence and this hope, the prophet Jeremiah says that even though there might be a flash flood warning coming into your life, and you can just see it, the, the, you know, the picture is flash flood warning. Here's what he says in Isaiah 43. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Oh, and through the rivers. He says, they're not going to overflow you. I don't know about you, but I can attest to that. My life has been good. It's, you know, I don't really have any sad stories. I mean, technically, (laughs) 
I have some stories I'd tell you that were sad, but <laughs> there's other people that say, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> but he said, you know, get a flash flood warning coming in your life. You know what? You know what's going to happen? Number one, I'm going to be with you. Number two, you know what I mean? You're going to make it through it. It's, it's not going to overflow you. When you walk through the fire, it's not going to burn you. It's not going to scorch you. The second one is having a, is that we have a living hope. We're not just passing through, but we have a living hope. And our living hope is the living Christ. That's what it says. Notice what it says. Blessed be the God and Father, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, and of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Oh. The living hope is the living Christ. The living hope in the resurrection means that that unshakable conviction that we have and that is ours is not in vain. Saying that your help for today and your life for tomorrow can never be taken away. When we miss out on a living hope, all of a sudden our, our focus becomes fragmented. You, you begin to not take care of life. You don't take care of things when living hope seems to be diminished and you can't see right. There's a biblical example of this fragmented hope. It's found in Luke chapter 10 in the story of Mary and Martha. You're familiar with it. It says that Jesus says to Mary, she says, there's many things that are making you anxious and troubled. Martha, why are you worried about and troubled about all these things? Then he says this. <clears throat> One thing is needed. One thing is needed. When you miss the one thing, your focus becomes fragmented. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Fragmented focus happens when results in us carrying weights that are too heavy and we're doing 
too much. There are some things that are always going to be with you. There are some things in life that are necessary. It must be done. But if you don't do the one thing, that's why. You know, I got to do this. I got to do that. You know what I mean? That's, you know, see Mary, she's, you know, these are all good things. I I, got to. I got to cook the food. I got to set the table. You know what I mean? You know, I've got to arrange the flowers right. I got to make sure this is okay. You know what I mean? And I mean, in what a host! I like those kind of hosts. But there are times when you have to know when the one thing that needs to be done, and it goes ahead and says, kind of gives you a, an order of things then. One thing. Sitting, Jody, you remember it? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Yes. Did you know that I want you to, I think this is good, that he gives you gifts and you have weaknesses through which God uniquely displays his power. You get frustrated with your weakness. I get frustrated with my weakness. And God says, I've put it there, so there's more opportunity for my power to be manifested. Paul wrote, you know what I mean? That result of his weaknesses, God purely said, my power is better. It's, more, it's made perfect. Yeah. We don't see us. You see him. <laughs> okay? You see him. So capturing joy... is about knowing that you're only passing through and that you have a living home. Third, is that God has redeemed you for incorruptible glory. You live in a perishable world. Everything around you is perishable. But God hasn't redeemed you with perishableness in mind. He's redeemed you because he has incorruptibility in your future. First Peter chapter 1 verse 4 it says an inheritance incorruptible that does not fade away. While everything diminishes in this life investments turn sour thieves can steal Clothes get out of fashion. Everything around is perishable, but not what God has got and planned for for you. How does that happen? 
It happens by concentration. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, that transformation takes place by concentration. We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The more that you do the one thing, the more you're transformed into his likeness. If you're around those people that, you know, you get down with them and just go, man, I just, you just feel like, You've been in the presence of Jesus. You've just been in the presence of, you know, somebody special. Would you receive this with this morning? You can be too busy. Yeah. I don't, you know, I'm not talking about getting lazy. <laughs> but you can be too busy. The one thing, that, that concentration that, that, you know, makes transformation. Why? Because everything is perishable. Except that one thing. The fourth insight, and ask my musicians to come and singers to come. God refines me for genuine faith. He refines me for genuine faith. You know, when Jesus wraps this all up, when he's going to, it's not going to be your gold that's on display. It's going to be the evidence of your faith. And so he says there's something about, you know, those challenges and trials that it's necessary for your faith. He calls it purified. So much of the time that our faith is, has a mix to it. And just like fire, you know, takes the impurities out of gold, he says, that those moments that seem to be, you know, unbearable are removing impurities. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7, the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? So God uses challenges to build authentic 
faith. Refines me for genuine faith. It's your faith that's going to be showcased. Is not it faith that's showcased in Hebrews chapter 11? Abraham by faith. Enoch by faith. Sarah by faith. You see, no, Abraham was a rich man. It wasn't, you know, his riches that was showcased. It's his faith that was showcased. As we go down through there, it's the faith of the individual that's showcased. And so, see, God wants your faith and my faith just to glisten, to glow. It's your faith that's going to be applauded. And so when you are in those moments that seem to be extremely challenging and you can't figure them out, I don't know why I should have to go through this. I don't know why I should be in this position. You know, you'll help your joy if you realize that something more important that's going on right now than the trial. The trial, the test, the, you know, the challenge gets our attention. But he's saying if you see that what has really taken place is something that's not perishable. Now, I don't like sickness, and I don't like financial shortages, and I don't like all of those, but those are all temporary things. They're all perishable things. But one thing that's not perishable but it's purifiable is your faith. So he says, you know, I'm the best thing that you have, the best gift that you've got, the greatest deposit that you have in your life is that God has given you faith. Faith to believe. Isn't that wonderful? You you believe today because of faith. Your faith gets stronger, and you know what I mean? Life is, you know, is 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 more effective for you because faith has went ahead and been increased and How do we capture joy? By understanding that there's more that's taken place than what meets the eye. It's an old phrase, but it's, it's really true. When it comes to this, there's more that's taken place than what meets the eye. And last as you stand with me this morning is God replenishes me with inexpressible joy. God replenishes me. You'll never face your future alone. Never face your future alone. I mean, sometimes our emotions will go ahead and, you know, make us feel like it. But the fact of the matter is, I'll never leave you or I'll I'll never forsake you. 
Joy is God's will for us. Jesus said, I want your joy to be full. I looked at my life and I've told you this before, but I'll tell you again. I said, and it's getting better. It's filling up. But I said, you know, God, I just don't have enough of it. I don't have enough joy. I'm not talking about going around, you know what I mean, you know, on drugs or, you know, some kind of high like that. But I don't mind going around with a joy high. Right? Absolutely. I'm going to go around with a joy high. And I said, God, I just don't, I don't have enough joy. Joy is God's will for your life because joy will put power in every day. Joy has a power and a, a, an element to be able to, to, to just flavor each moment, every situation, every condition, every effort, every choice. It says that Jesus, who for the joy was set before him, he was able to buckle up and finish what was he was called to do and the good news is is that this joy is available today it's available today it's your birthright as a child of God 1 Thessalonians says this That you became followers of us and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 1611 says that in your presence is fullness of joy. And David cried out in Psalms 51, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You don't have to have done some sin as David did and lost the joy in his life. It just might be that you recognize that. You know, joy has been depleted by life and situations in, in life. And the joy will help you to take pleasure in his strength, his love, his provision. It will empower your life. It opens your hearts up and removes fear. Brings healing. Closing with this, and as we pray, joy is a psychological resurrection. Hallelujah. Joy is a psychological resurrection. I know we're not supposed to use psychological in the church, but there it is. I said it. <laughs> Give a lot of praise this morning. It really is. It's a psychological resurrection. And that's what Jesus pointed to. You know, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's an inexpressible joy that, you know, that he's incorporated, you know, in this Holy Spirit that he's, that he's given to us. Hallelujah. Give the Lord one more praise and we'll sing and I don't know what I'm saying, but glory to God. We want to capture the joy. Capture the joy, you know, of the moment. Capture the joy, he says, you know, in the trial. Not just in the positive things, but sometimes in the less than positive things. 
Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning that this joy is a real joy. It is not a joy that's circumstantial. It's not a joy that, you know, was just based upon things, but can be enhanced by the goodness that you do and bring into to our lives. And Father, because we are lights in a world, in a world that is depressed in so many ways, a world that, you know, is, is having to drug itself in order to cope with the situations and the variables and the missings and the perishables, God, let us as your people have a light that brilliantly shines in this hour that they might see Jesus Christ or it might give us a platform, an opportunity to be able to tell them about the hope that we have within us. Why our countenance is high when it should be low. When we have peace, when we should be in turmoil. Doesn't make sense. But it's because we have a living hope based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I thank you this week, this morning, that this week, that there will be doors, there will be arrival, God of the manifested word in the lives of your people. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Go with God because he's going with you. Thank you for listening to this message from Bible Center Church. For more information, you can find us online at www.biblectr.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Bible CTR.